everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Stories for the Day and Night. I really hope you enjoy. Now it's time for our first story. We have been going through The Valentine's Day Disaster by Geronimo Stilson. 2 a.m. 2 p.m. Every problem has a solution. I glanced at my watch. It was 2 o'clock. Half the day was gone, and the Rodents Gazette was still undelivered. I began to nibble on my whiskers. Cheesy Lou calmly patted my paw. She flipped open her mobile phone. Then she began barking orders into it. Hello, is this Horseshoe Ranch? I heard her say. I need 100 horses and 100 cow mice sent to 17 Swiss Cheese Center. Immediately! She hung up with a sigh of satisfaction. Problem solved, Jerry, she said. A little later, we heard the sounds of hooves galloping down the street. Cheesy Lou stuck her snout out the window. Listen up, rodents, she squeaked. I need you to deliver these copies of the Rodents Gazette. Double quick. The cowmush waved their hats in the air. We're on it, Cheesy Lou, they called. They took off on a thundering gallop. The noise was so loud, I could barely hear my own squeak. Do you really think they can do it? I asked Cheesy Lou. She was calmly filing her nails. But of course, Jerry darling, you should try to think more positively, she drawled. Here's a little saying my grandmother Cherry Cheeks taught me. Now repeat after me. Life is beautiful, the world is marvelous, and I love everyone. I tried. <clears throat> Life is beautiful, the world is maddening, and I love almost everyone. I stammered. Hmm, guess I need to work on it. I opened my notebook and jotted down the phrase that Cheesy Lou had taught me so that I could practice. I thanked Miss Sweet Snout for all of her help. Then I invited her to my Valentine's Day party. Well, tickle me with a cat for a feather, she cried. I'd love to attend your hoedown. I'll bring my fiancé, Tough Rat McBeefy. She took out a picture of a very muscular mouse and kissed it. 3 p.m. A wave of foul-smelling water. It was already 3 o'clock. I walked home with Cheesy Lou by my side. Are you, sir, are you sure you don't need my help anymore, Jerry? She asked. We had reached my house at 8 Mouse Ford Lane. I smiled as I opened my front door. Oh no, Miss Sweetnout. Snout, I'm sure, but thanks for the offer. I started to say. But before I could finish... A wave of foul-smelling water hit me. Help! Help! I gurgled. When the wave passed, I was soaked from the ends of my whiskers to the tip of my tail. I looked around in horror. What a disaster! The sewage pipe must have burst. My house was a mess. The rugs and sofas were sopping wet. Even my walls were dripping. And the stench! Oh, the stench! My musket fresh air. I choked. I headed for the window. On the way, I slipped and twisted my ankle. Oh, what else could go wrong today? I lay on the floor whimpering, 
while Cheesy Lou bandaged my ankle. Jerry, I have a feeling you still need my help, she said. She dried a chair with a rag. Then she lifted me up and plopped me down on it. I was amazed. I mean, I'm not a scrawny rodent. In fact, some might say I need to lay off the cheesecake for a while. How could Cheesy Lou lift a plump mouse like myself? Where I come from, we're all into athletics, she explained. Yes, sir. Cheesy Lou just loves lifting kales. Singing happily, Cheesy Lou sprang into action. She grabbed some rags and wiped up the filthy, slimy water. She washed the sofas, she hosed on the walls, she hung out the rugs to dry. I had never seen a mouse work so fast. It was like watching a mini tornado. Yes, that Cheesy Lou had more energy in her little paw than I had in my whole body. Finally, Cheesy Lou flung open all the windows. Fresh air filled the room. And now for a quick spray of my favorite perfume, she giggled. Cream cheese in the summertime. Suddenly, my entire house smelled like the most delicious cream cheese souffle. Life is beautiful, the world is marvelous, and I love everyone, Cheesy Lou squeaked. Come on, Jerry, sing along. She filled the buckets. She filled buckets and buckets and buckets of filthy water, washed the sofa covers, flung open all the windows, and finally sprayed her perfume. And that's all we have time for. I hope you enjoyed. Fifteen, okay. And now it's time for riddles. I'm going to flip to a random page. Give myself ten seconds to check out the riddles. Okay. Let's see if Naomi can answer these questions. Because she is trying to answer them. Why did the otter cross the road? To get this to the other side? No. To get to the other, other side. Yeah, that's <laughs> actually the right... Wow, that's impressive. Why did the turtle cross the road? So, so they didn't have to cross the street? No. Because he was so slow as a turtle? No. <laughs> to get to the shell station. It's a gas station, Naomi. Oh. This you will probably never get unless you have read Dr. Jekyll and Hyde. Why did Dr. J Jekyll cross the road? To hide from the police? No. Yeah, I never read that book, so I have no idea. To get to the other hide. Spelled with a Y. So, in the book, Dr. Jekyll um, formulates, like, a medicine that can turn you into, like, a really bad part of yourself, so that when you're your normal self, you are, like, super good. And Dr. Hyde is spelled with a Y. 
and it's his like other personality. It's weird. Could what has four wheels and roars down the highway? That's all we have time for, at least in riddles. Okay, so now it's time for story two. We've been going through The Secret Zoo by Brian Chick, and we are on chapter three. A Tale of Wanda. The school bell rang, and Noah raced for the door, not bothering to slow down when Mrs. Bluss called, Kids, walk! Noah didn't have time for walking. He only had three hours before his parents would be home, so he needed to move fast. Since Megan's disappearance, Noah's parents had been working late, leading a search campaign out of a friend's office in downtown Clarksville. Considering all that his parents had been through with Megan, they'd originally had concerns about Noah walking home from school and being by himself at the house. They'd finally decided to allow it as long as Noah promised to walk home with his friends. And rather than being home by himself, Noah almost always stayed at Richie's until his parents picked him up after leaving the search headquarters for the day. Today, however, Noah needed to break the rules. In the hallway, he tossed his books into his locker, scanned the crowd to make sure Ella and Richie couldn't see him, and then squirmed his way to the main exit. Outside, he ran across the schoolyard, kicking up gravel and dust. He hadn't slept since the bird's strange visit and the previous night. He still couldn't make sense of what had happened. Did it mean something, or had the bird simply flown through his window and dropped a piece of trash into his room? Whatever it might be, there would be no harm in paying Mr. Talltail a visit. He walked down the drive, turned onto Jen Jenkins Street, and walked alongside the concrete wall of the zoo. After rounding the corner into Walker's Boulevard, he reached the zoo and bolted for the entrance, where he flashed his membership card to a startled attendant and crashed through the turnstile. Because the day was so cold, the zoo was nearly empty. Noah stormed across the pavement, weaving in and out of all the exhibits. He'd been to the zoo so many times that he knew the shortest path to get to the Langer house without thinking about it. When he reached the small, ivy-draped building, he pushed through the entrance, turned a corner, and nearly crashed into a small group of people. The exhibit has no traditional bars or concrete walls. An enormous dome-shaped net kept the langers inside, where they relaxed on trees, looking bored. Their tails were so long that Noah wondered how the animals managed to keep them from becoming from becoming dotted in the branches. Mr. Talltail had the longest tail of all. As the monkey rested on a branch, his tail dangled below his rear end like a furry snake. Now that Noah was inside the exhibit, he felt a bit foolish. What did he expect to see? The visitors gradually wandered off and the building fell silent. The Langers turned their eyes toward Noah occasionally, but they showed little interest in him. Noah said, Mr. Talltail. The monkey ignored him. 
He was more interested in a large leaf that was trapped in the ceiling of the net. Mr. Talltail, can you hear me? The monkey picked a closer leaf, popped it in his mouth, and chewed casually. Um, okay, Noel muttered, scratching his head. Why am I talking to a monkey? The entrance door swung open, and a security guard stepped inside. He had a thatch of fire engine red hair and plump lips, and his face and arms were covered in freckles. Hello, Noah said, feeling stupid and embarrassed. After all, this man had nearly caught him talking to a monkey. The guard didn't answer, and an awkward silence filled the air. He strolled past Noah, observing him skeptically. Noah stared at the langers, pretending that he, that he was enjoying himself. The sound of the guard's footsteps softened as he rounded the exhibit. Finally, Noah heard the exit door open and close. He was alone again with the langers. Talk about creepy, Noah mumbled. He glanced at Mr. Talltail once more and said, Nothing to show me, huh? Mr. Talltail stared into space and idly chewed his leaf, working his jaw from side to side. Feeling like an idiot, Noah decided to leave and turned toward the exit. At that moment, something fell on his shoulder, and in a reflex reaction, Noah swatted his back. He swung around and yelped. A long, black, furry thing slithered across his forearm. It jumped off and floated in the air. Then Noah realized what it was. Mr. Talltail's tail! Seeing Noah turn to leave, the langer had leapt to, leaped to the front of the net, deliberately poked out his tail, and brushed it over Noah's shoulder. What's more, a slip of paper was wrapped in the tip. No one knew it was crazy, but Mr. Talltail was handing him the paper. The monkey waved, waved his tail as if to say, Are you going to take this? Or what? Noah crept forward. He reached out his trembling arm and snatched the paper. What is this? he said. Mr. Talltail leapt back into the trees and relaxed in his previous spot in the branches. He picked another leaf and chewed. His dark eyes gazed blankly into the distance, as if nothing had happened. For a second, Noah thought he'd imagined the whole incident, but the paper was in his hand, crumpled, ripped, and spotted. A few linger hairs even clung to it. Noah opened it carefully. The moment he saw the message inside, he thought he'd faint. The front door creaked open again, and he thrust the paper into his pocket. For the second time, the red-headed security guard walked in. He eyed Noah suspiciously, and as he approached, his eels angrily smacked the floor. What Noah had read on the paper was making his stomach roll and his head ache. You okay, kid? You ain't looking too hot, the guard said. Yeah, fine. Noah was anything but fine. He could barely breathe. I gotta go, he managed to say. He hurried for the door, slammed through it, and burst into the cool air. Have a nice day, the guard called out. The door crashed as it closed. Gasping, Noah leaned against the wall. He pulled out the paper and looked at it again. <coughs> it was red with purple lines 
and blue stars in the corners. He'd seen it before. Deep breaths, he told himself. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. But even as he repeated the words, he didn't believe them for a second. We have a bit more time, and this next chapter is really, really short. So, I'm going to read chapter four. A mysterious clue to a mysterious zoo. Noah sat on a bench in a quiet place of the zoo. He glanced over both shoulders to make sure nobody was around and pulled Mr. Talltail's paper out of his pocket. Neat cursive handwriting covered every inch. All the letters were drawn by smooth arcs, and the dots on the eyes were carefully placed. Though the ink was faded and smeared, he knew the penmanship. It was Megan's. There was no mistaking it. Noah glanced around again. Still, no one was nearby. A wind swept across the zoo. Noah took a breath, gathered his courage, and read the page. It started in the middle of a sentence. Keep seeing birds in the forest of flight exhibit that aren't supposed to be there. A bird chart near the entrance has a complete list of birds, but a few that I see aren't even on it. Then, every few days, some of those birds aren't around anymore. On top of that, an old lady who works there keeps following me around, asking me what I'm doing. She's creepy. The bottom of the page was missing. Noah flipped it over. The writing at the top was too smeared to read. The words he could decipher began in the middle of a sentence and the middle of a new thought. Can't write it down without feeling stupid. But I know what I saw. There's a wall with holes in it. I think the holes are supposed to give the birds a private place to build their nests. They're supposed to be like cracks and crannies and rocks and mountains and stuff. I got curious. I found a bench near the wall and sat there, pretending to read a pamphlet. After an hour or so, I saw something. There was a bunch. The page was torn. Noah flipped the paper over repeatedly, hoping to find something in the margins. He dropped against the back of the bench and stared into space. What was going on? What did all of this mean? Why had Megan been making trips to the zoo without informing the family? And how had Alanger got hold of a page from her diary? Noah's first instinct was to tell somebody, an adult at the zoo. But Megan had been suspicious of the zoo worker. And hadn't he just had a strange encounter with a security guard? What did all this mean? The leaves fell around him like colorful snowflakes. He was stunned and confused. I don't get it, he muttered. I don't get it at all. The one thing Noah did understand was that he had to act, and he had to act quickly. In two hours, the zoo would close. That would be more than enough time to take a tour of the forest of flight and perhaps to examine the wall with the unusual crannies and holes. for the day. I hope you enjoyed. And now it's time for the end. But first, a fun fact. Most spiders and snakes aren't poisonous. At least not to humans. 
I hope you enjoyed.